This is Talkin' Mule Deer with your hosts, Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talkin' Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, Mule Deer and Black-Tailed Deer Biology and Management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking Mule Deer. We are here at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo uh, here in Salt Lake City with Mike Lauder from Mule Deer Foundation and Randy Morrison, our Senior Regional Director uh, out of California. Mike is the Director of Field Operations. Hey guys, did we uh, order this nice weather just for Jody and I coming into town? Absolutely. A little warm and dry this year. It's a little bit better than uh, the cold and snowy we had for the deer last year. But, that's uh, true. A year ago, we were feeding deer. Yep, that's yeah. very so true. So this is what, the, the 12th Expo? 12th Expo. 12th, oh, man, I can't believe it's been a decade and a couple years already. I remember being at the second one. Um, it's grown quite a bit. So. Absolutely. So you guys have been involved with the Mule Deer Foundation for a very long time. Tell me a little bit about how you got involved, how you got engaged what about your passion for Mule Deer, Founda Mule Deer Foundation and Mule Deer in general? I started um, years and years ago. I mean, Mule Deer being my passion and my, my family's passion, it was something that I just, I didn't know any different. I grew up enjoying being outdoors with the family and hunting Mule Deer. And as I got older and got married and got a job and things like that, it, it, it I was, I found a, a, myself at a place in, t in time where I could give something back, where I could give something back to the species that I'd, I enjoyed hunting, and, and I wanted to take, take care of them. So I joined a, a committee, a Mule Deer Foundation committee, as a volunteer. And I spent, I, I've, I've held every position that you can hold. I, I was a chapter member, a, a chapter chairman, a state chairman, and eventually, I guess they couldn't get rid of me, and they offered me a job as a regional director. And I spent 11 years as a regional director for the Mule Deer Foundation, raising money professionally for Mule Deer. So was that all here in Utah, Mike? Yes. So, and that sounds like it's 20 years so that you've 15, been 15 something like 20? that well if you count the volunteer time about 18 right. years yeah. i mean it's been a long time and back when i was early in my career as a volunteer or i mean as a regional director i covered parts of california new mexico nevada oregon i mean they we only had three or four of us that we covered a lot of banquets with just the guys we had so but now we have regional directors in all 11 states or we have 12 regional 12? directors right now and, and all the western states have their own and then we kind of take turns covering the eastern chapters Excellent. So your role with the MDF is to oversight all those uh, field directors and make sure that they're really going out and uh, raising money and getting projects done and, and all the other things we need to do for mule deer conservation. Using be best practice. I had a, I had a pretty good program um, that was very efficient, that we raised a lot of money, and, and we kind of had a really good system, as does Randy. And at, at the point in which they promoted me to director of field operations, I was to share that with some of the, the new hires. And... and you know, encourage best practice, encourage uh, positive attitude and, and, you know, volunteer recruitment and things of that nature. So it's been a wild ride. It's so cool to stand out here on the show floor and watch people. I mean, years ago, if somebody walked by wearing a mule deer hat, I gave it to them, yeah. you know, and now to see them on everybody's head and, and our logo everywhere and our organization doing so well, it's, it's, it's take a lot of pride in that. Now, Mike, a little birdie whispered in my ear last night that, uh, Randy is your number one fundraiser. I think it was Randy that whispered in my ear. <laughs> Absolutely. i got to spread that around. <laughs> Randy so Ran does a great job. <laughs> so, Randy, tell us how you got involved with MDF and, you know, what really drives you? What's your passion right now? Well, like Mike, I started at an early age, came from a hunting family, 
went hunting with my father and grandfather before I in California? could legally hunt in California. They still hunt in California. <laughs> they still have deer in California. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we actually uh, still have an awful lot of deer in Black California. Blacktails, right? There's, there is about 450,000 deer in California. It's just that it's a great big state, and they're very spread out. Uh, our deer numbers are down, but they, they're still an awful lot of deer. Uh, they're just hard to get to yeah. in, in many cases. Uh, but I started as a child hunting. Um, developed a passion at a very early age to hunt. I love to hunt just about everything that uh, is legal to hunt, but I'm a deer hunter at heart. That's that's what I I love the most. And as a, a young man, uh, I was very avid, very active, and harvested a lot of deer. And once I got into my 30s and 40s, I thought, uh, it's time for me to start working towards the next generation so that they can enjoy the things that I enjoyed and my parents enjoyed and grandparents because it's uh, going on family hunting trips is uh, uh, something that I will remember my entire life and they're some of the fondest memories that I have. So um, I joined a committee of a statewide deer association in California, uh, became a chapter chair after that, uh, and then got on that state organization's board of directors. And I was on their board of directors for two years and an opportunity for a regional director for California for the Mule Deer Foundation came up and I felt that I could be of more use and do more things as a regional director of the Mule Deer Foundation, a national organization, than I could as a board member of a state organization. So I came to work here in, with the Mule Deer Foundation in the very beginning of 2010 and... Uh, we were kind of in a state of disarray at the time in California, and we've built that back to uh, where we are now, uh, actually raising raising the most money of, of any region in California or, or in in the U.S. at the, at the moment. Um, but like I was telling Mike earlier, um, right now my state is ranked number one. But frankly, I'd be happy if it was ranked number three or four. <laughs> And I made more money there next year than this year. So yeah, well, congratulations! It's all about on that. the organization. Well, and that's and that's the important part. So fundraising is you know it's not just dollars for coming back to MDF. Obviously, that's important. We have to run an organization. But but tell us a little bit about the chapter process and how you raise funds. What are banquets? How sure. does that money then get back down onto the ground? Because sure. that's where the rubber hits the road for Absolutely. mule deer. Absolutely. Typically, uh, we. Any individual chapter that we have, which is made up completely of volunteers who give their time to our organization and to the species that they love to raise money and to put that money on the ground, either locally or nationally, wherever it, wherever it is most needed at the time. And uh, a chapter will typically hold an annual fundraising banquet where we will have live auctions, silent auctions, raffles, games, uh, all that are fun for the people to come and enjoy, uh, and they are our primary source of funding. Once we raise that money, some of that money goes to feed the, the Mule Deer Foundation machine, which we cannot do the things that we do without having a, a well-oiled machine Absolutely. to do it. And the rest of that money is uh, used for conservation. Each individual chapter is able to retain a portion of their net dollars uh, to uh, put towards uh, approved projects 
within their state or even within their their chapter area or local area if they choose to do so. And that's what we call chapter rewards, that's correct? That's what we call yep. chapter rewards. And they can be up to 30% of a chapter's net proceeds that they have uh, the first say-so as to which project that money gets spent on. And that's a substantial amount. It's a nice perk to the chapter to have that not saying that if they didn't have enough money to cover something, they could uh, apply for na uh, national money as well. So the way the program works, you have one year to apply for your money as a chapter uh, from the date of your banquet. If you exceed that, then it goes into the state fund, which means anybody else in the state from other chapters can then apply for that money as well. Well, by the third year, then it goes back to national and is considered national money, which may go to a high-profile wildfire in Nevada or something that of that nature. So, th so basically, the better we do locally... Yes. The more chance we have to put that back on the ground for the local mule deer herds. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it's awesome. based on efficiency. In the old days, you know, the comments were always made, and we can all attest to that, about having a party, and if everybody had a good time, it was it, it was a success. And, and, and that that's, couldn't be further from the truth. Well, you want everybody to come and have a good time. Because Absolutely. It's, but it's also for the deer. Right. I mean, that's what we're, we're doing. We're raising money for projects on the ground. I always told chapters that if you weren't here to do the right thing for mule deer, that, that that probably wasn't a good fit and as soon as you explain to them how the program works and how it is that we get money to the ground and with our prcs and and things of that nature what's a prc project review committee okay how does that work that is an incredibly important part of our chapter rewards in that in many of our states and we're we're trying to get it it developed into each state we have a uh, project review committee that committee is made up of the regional director a representative from the Forest Service, a representative from the uh, local state wildlife agency, and then representatives from our individual chapters. So it's not just Mule Deer Foundation. There's a broad group of people that are involved in that decision making. We have representatives from those two agencies and, and occasionally BLM. They're harder to get there, but uh, we have them there so that they can help our chapter representatives uh identify the, the most, most important the most projects, important projects that need to be done at the time. Because there's a lot coming in at various times, so and you need to pick experts. what's the most yeah. right. Right. Yeah, and you know, as a former federal biologist, I was involved with quite a few of these uh, project action committees, and it was always amazing to me the amount of work that the volunteers put in to identify those projects and then came to us to say, you know, hey, how do we work together on this stuff? And, you know, to get that out on the ground took a, a huge cooperative effort. And, you know, it was it was a, it was one of the better parts of being a federal biologist is working with those project action committees. And the wonderful thing about it is that each chapter gets its own chapter rewards. But during that first year's period, they have the say so where that money goes. But with a project review committee where we have representatives from all of the chapters that are interested, it, it makes the pot bigger. Exactly. So they they the pool their money yes, and say, look, this project isn't in my backyard, but this looks like a really important project. Why don't we put our money towards this project and they can put their money towards this project? And if everyone agrees on it, we can do a lot more work on a lot larger scale in that uh, the the drainage wide scales, winter rage wide scales or landscape scale projects are much more effective for for yeah. conserving deer than are what I call postage stamp projects, which which are important, but typically, you know, a, a 50 acre or a 100 acre project doesn't affect very many deer. Now, how closely do y'all work with like the state fish and game agencies on? Very closely. Very yeah. closely. They, very they closely. in a lot of cases, have final say on the projects we're doing within that state. We have to have their blessing that that, that is a beneficial project to mule deer. 
they're, they participate on our project review committees or PACs, uh -huh. like you're saying. They're, they're, they have a seat at the table. You know, we're going to spend that money within, within their state. And a lot of times, those guys are the ones bringing us the projects. Well, and then, as you were talking, I mean, the, the in-kind dollars of volunteers. So we want to definitely want to talk about that and then matching funds matching because funds. State Fish and Wildlife Agencies bring their Pittman-Robertson Federal Aid and Wildlife Restoration funding to projects that they can expand what you guys are bringing to the table through your chapters. Absolutely. And as an NGO, when we partner with a state or federal agency on a project, oftentimes they're very large projects that if we put in ten thousand dollars into a given project we can leverage that into a much greater project because many of their projects have to have a certain percentage match of in kind. match or, uh, or sure. in kind yep and we can use that to help them do bigger projects well and that in kind is really important because that's what you can bring too is the hands that's you know, right. the, the boots on the ground the matching dollars for for volunteer hours as well yep now, Randy, there's been a, a lot of news in the past couple of years about fires, floods, and dead trees in California. Yes, How's that affecting our deer out there? Um, in the short term, many of the fires have been devastating um, in that, depending upon where they burned, if they burned in winter areas for migrating deer, it's a problem because uh, a lot of the mass-producing trees uh, – have burned up and they take a number of years to come back to be producers again um, a lot of our brush has been burned that's beneficial to our deer and now it is being replaced with cheat grass and medusa Basins, head like yep. it is in so many other areas uh, but many of those burns in the long term will be beneficial quite frankly uh, because it it is rejuvenating the forests and that's something that needs to happen. We've gotten so far away from our natural fire regimes, uh, at least in, in California, most of our, our habitats are fire-dependent habitats that historically have burned every 20 to or 15 to 30 years, and many of those now haven't burned for 50 to 80 years, and when they burn so now, they're they burn very hot. And if yeah. a, you get a very big fire that's very hot, uh, it takes a long time for the, the habitat to come back. But many of the fires that we have had, in part due to projects that we and, and other organizations have done and the, the governmental agencies where we've done some work for fuels reduction, we've been able to, in some of those cases, um, have the fires burn in a little more of a mosaic pattern, which is the most beneficial habitat. So many of those areas, I believe, are going to benefit from those fires. It's going to take a little while, but I think I think in many of the cases, it's going to be a benefit. In some cases, it won't be. just depends on how hot the fire burned and where. Sure. Well, in a lot of states, there's the, where there have been fires, California, um, Nevada, uh, I know in Idaho as well, some of the Mule Deer Foundation projects have gone to restoration as well, too. Um, there's a project that you've been working on, Steve, in Idaho with uh, replanting a burn area, correct? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We're going into those crucial winter ranges uh, and trying to replant sage, sagebrush and other species like bitterbrush that the deer uh, depend on during the winter in uh, areas that basically is nothing but cheatgrass. Cheatgrass, right, know. wherever the invasives come in. So Randy has to get out on the floor. We, As we said, we are in the middle of the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo, and Randy's got some duties to pull. So we <laughs> managed to grab Marshall Johnson, another one. Thank you, Randy, for coming in. Thank you, Randy.
And Marshall is joining us right now. Marshall is the Senior Regional Director for the Dakotas. Dakotas, for the For the North and South Dakota. Oh, yeah, um, Yeah, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're glad to have you here, Marshall. Well, tell us a little bit about, we talked when we started with both Mike and Randy about how they got involved in conservation and Mule sure. Deer Foundation. So tell us a little bit about that for you. Sure. Um, I grew up uh, hunting mule deer most of my life. I didn't, never even shot a whitetail until I was probably about 19 years old. And, in North you grew Dakota. up in the Dakotas? Yeah. I grew up in Bismarck, Mandan area. And um, just going through my, my career and stuff, I was in the newspaper industry for about 21 years. And part of the thing with the newspaper industry was that they wanted us to be involved in community stuff. And I was up in uh, Great Falls, Montana, and uh, one of our uh, uh, controllers, he was involved with Ducks Unlimited. And so he got me involved in that. So that was my first experience with a little bit of conservation. Then when I moved to Minneapolis area, I got involved with Ducks Unlimited there as well. Um, ended up going to Fargo, North Dakota with a newspaper there and uh, saw in the newspaper that they had a little ad in there saying starting a mule deer chapter. I'm like, oh, mule deer, I love my mule deer. And I hunted whitetail one year in Minnesota. I never hunted again <laughs> in Minnesota. I always paid the out-of-state fees for <laughs> mule deer come back North from Dakota. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, oh, this is, you know, I've never heard of this. This is great. Something I'm really passionate about. And so I got down there and there was three of us. And I became the chapter chair. We started uh, the chapter in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, and we called it the 300-mile uh, chapter because you had to drive 300 <laughs> miles for <good laughs> mule deer hunting. Uh, but so that was my first experience with it. And, and I think what really attracted me to the Mule Deer Foundation was the fact of, you know, we, you guys were talking about that before and I walked in about the chapter rewards program. It was really frustrating. With other organizations, you know, the money just goes and, and you try to get things happening in your area, but it may not occur. Um, but with Mule Deer Foundation, I just love that chapter rewards program because we all work so hard. The volunteers work extremely hard and have the opportunity to help direct where those funds go. I mean, it's just tremendous. And so I did that for two years and got transferred to another newspaper in Iowa. And uh, I left the newspaper industry in 2010 and said, I'm done with this. And uh, I was going to ba move back to North Dakota. And I got online to see when the banquet was in in Fargo and I saw this job opportunity thing up there and I clicked on that and I'm like, no way. Regional <laughs> it's a dream for job. For the code. <laughs> you know, Cause I've always wanted to hunt in the, or always wanted to work in the hunting, you know, whether it was working for a magazine or being a, a representative to, you know, Winchester, Remington, something like that. I've always wanted to be in that industry. And uh, so I called down to the office here and it was like within two weeks, boom, I was hired. And uh, my wife and I, we were kind of debating where to live, and she wanted to go back to North Dakota, and I always thought we were going to go back to Billings. That was our first stop as a married couple, and and uh, MDF said, ah, we want you in Montana. So I got my dream. So we <laughs> moved out to Billings, Montana, and uh, was out there for uh, uh, eight years or so, seven, eight years, and just recently uh, moved back to uh, my hometown and uh, took on South Dakota then. Uh, we hadn't really had any regional director work in that area, and and so I volunteered to say, hey, if I move back to be with my family and we've grown Montana big enough, let's, let's expand. Great. Now, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, I know you have been very effective. You talked about chapter rewards. Mm -hmm. The two things I know, you've had some incredible um, volunteer projects, and we want to definitely talk about that. But the first thing is fundraising. It w it's not just about the banquets for you. You've been pretty successful with second events or yeah. different types of events, like the Beers for Deer, beers for deer. and the Gunapalooza, right? Yeah, Tell us yeah. about that. Well, the Beers for Deer, um, I started out as kind of a second event. Uh, it's not a huge moneymaker or anything. It's just a lot of fun. 
what I use it primarily for now is, is marketing. A recruitment tool. Yeah. Recruitment yep. okay. tool, uh, promote an upcoming banquet, you know, kick off the Drink a little beer. Apples. <laughs> Drink some beer, well, talk some deer. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, the really neat thing about it is, too, is that, you know, as an RD, you're at your banquet, and you have people that are passionate and interested in becoming a member. They want to come up and talk to you. You're so busy that you kind of have to brush them off a bit, and that could leave a negative taste in their mouth, you know. And so this is kind of a great way you're in a a nice environment. Social. Social environment. You have the time to sit down to hear their concerns, what they would like to do. And so I use it more as a marketing tool. We make some money off of it. Um, It's a great way for people to meet. Uh, If you do it prior to your banquet, it's a great way to bring in all the volunteers that help at your banquet. To get them in right, the banquet and get mode engaged. and sure. stuff like that. And give that. them things to do right. not one time a year. Right, right. Yeah, and it, it does. It keeps us out there and engaged, you know, a yep. couple times a year. The Gunapalooza, I just started that uh, last year. I did the first I one love in that Watford name. City. Gunapalooza. Gunapalooza. <laughs> and in Rapid City, we did it um, back in November here, and we had such success with it. Um, it's really neat because I only did a hundred dollars of advertising. So what on is Facebook. it? Oh, it's like a rapid t- fire. It's well, rapid well, fire. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, literally, I put a. Well, that sounds a little bit too aggressive. <laughs> there was no actual firing of guns no, in these things. No, 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 no. So <laughs> no, no. The concept is, is really neat. It, it's basically like a banquet, but there's no food, and there's no cost food, to get in. Yeah, because the it's food is the, one of the biggest just costs. One second yeah. and tell them it's generally in an area that you're trying to develop a chapter. You right. don't maybe have a lot of support. You can run it with just one or two people. It didn't. You're kind of building in that right, area. Right. It's kind of the first step. Yeah, so. it, it's it's a really and it's a great for a second one again to keep people engaged sure. that we're around. Absolutely. And with the chapter reward program, um, the chapter gets fifty percent of that net. Mm. So anyway, with, with with the Rapid City thing, so what they do is they come in, and we have just gun raffles. So I have like a general raffle, but it's ten guns. And then on each bucket, I got a time when we're going to draw for it. So like every eight minutes, we're drawing for a gun. In addition, I have a couple other gun raffles going on. I got a membership raffle and things like that. And so, for instance, our doors opened at 5.30. We had people lined up waiting to get in. They get in. We were done by 7.50. Two hours and 20 (laughs) minutes later, we gave away 15, 16 guns. Wow. Folks were just ecstatic. And so my chapter in in Rapid City, um, we just had a meeting here about two weeks ago, and they said, you know what? We have heard so many positive remarks about this thing. Um, We want to step away from the typical banquet. But what we're going to do is we're going to do four gunapaloozas, and our first one's going to be a mega palooza. <laughs> and, so, and that one's going to be in Rapid City. And then what we're going to do is we're going to offshoot from there. We're going to go to Sturgis. We're going to go to Custer. Then back to Rapid City because that's last year's. The, it was the last day of deer hunting. Oh, wow. Nice. And uh, middle of the week and that. So it's a really fun event. It's fast. It's clip. And that's what people like. They said, you walked in. And you know, people made comments. I walked in 10 minutes later. They're already drawing for guns. You know, and, and so it was a lot of fun. That's cool. And Marshall, I... I, I have to give you a ton of credit. You got almost a half a million dollar grant yeah. to work on projects in North Dakota. Tell us a little bit about that, how you came about, who you're working with, and what's actually going out on the ground. Right. It's, uh, there's a program in North Dakota called the Outdoor Heritage Fund, and that is primarily funded through, uh, through the oil industry. And um, what it is, it's basically an opportunity for any of the NGOs, nonprofits, and that to uh, put in for funds to help them, anything to do with recreation, parks, things like that, but it was also for conservation. Um, so what we did is we went in, uh, Ryan Kropp was my uh, regional director at that time. And, and your state uh, director. He was state. my state, yeah, sorry, gotcha. my state, my state chair, state chair. And, um, so he and I worked together and we came up with a, we wrote the grant, um, submitted it. And then, uh, Ryan actually went and presented, uh, we got denied the first time. 
Um, so I contacted several people on that board to ask them why, what, what we can do to improve it. And so they gave us tips on what we needed to do. And so I think reaching out and talking to those folks really helped sure. a lot because we made some revisions to it, went back in December, and is unanimous. And we got 100%. We asked for $470,000. And, and you got the it was awarded, out. all of it. Wow. And how are you using that? Uh, we are using it for on-the-ground work. Uh, specifically what it is, it's, it's working with uh, the mule deer um, habitat in North Dakota is basically the prime habitats of the first 60 to 100 miles into North Dakota. Well, from the west. From the west, Correct. excuse me, from yep. the Montana border. Yep. That is right in the heart of the Bakken, which is the oil and the energy up there. Yes. That's where we need a lot of work to get done. Um, there's not a lot of state land out there, and so there's not a lot of projects. And so what we're doing, uh, we've developed a relationship in North Dakota with the Game and Fish Department in their PLOTS program, which is private land open to sportsmen. Um, it's an access program, and we've been uh, sponsoring um, a third of each one of those contract agreements that we can afford to do. And so when I first got on over there, we had about 17,000 acres that we sponsored. So what we did is working with the Game and Fish Department, we went out and we said, you know what, let's go together. We're going to go out and talk to these landowners and say, hey, if you get into the PLOTS program, we're willing to work with you to improve your habitat. And by improving their habitat, it's going to improve their grazing productivity as well as it's a benefit to wildlife. And so and we've sportsmen. been. And sportsmen. Because they get. Oh, now oh they man, get access. I see the bucks that are coming <coughs> off that part They're of the huge. world. Is, I mean, it's. Yeah. So what, what's ending up happening is you've got chapters who are able to get involved in actual hands-on projects, yep. fence removal, habitat restoration. You're working with private landowners, so you're building goodwill within the community. And now that's opening it up for sportsmen, so these, these mule deer volunteers and the general public to have access to these right. ranches. I mean, it seems like it's a... Well, not to mention the industry. And We have Bobcat, Doosan, we've got RDO equipment, we've got oil companies all donating, all providing help. Uh, Bobcat Dusen, for example, has donated this last year $25,000 value of equipment. Wow. To be and used, on to be to be used, used on out there. And it's really yeah. fun for the so volunteers. So that half a million dollars is quickly adding up to oh. over a million. Yep. And you're million. working with partner organizations yeah. as well. Cause right. It's not, so, right. So it's really a big collaborative effort. And this is a great example from one state. Um, we've got examples like this all around. But we're running low on time here. Mm -hmm. What we'd like to do is, for those people who are new to the Mule Deer Foundation or don't have a chapter nearby, Let's give them a little bit of information about how they could get involved. Um, if there isn't a chapter, how can they get one started? Or if there's not a potential for a chapter, what can they do to make a difference? I, my first suggestion would be to go to the website. You click on a chapter near you, it'll tell you. What's that website address there? Uh, MuleDeer.org, www.MuleDeer.org. MuleDeer.org. Yes, mm -hmm. go to a chapter near you. If you don't have one in your loca in, in close proximity to where you live, you can call one of the regional directors for that reason. So when you click on your state, it brings it up brings right up, away yes. your regional director with their contact information Absolutely. as well as all the chapters and where they're located. Reach out to him. He'll come to you. We'll set up a or her. Or her. Or her. Or her. Yeah. You know, Excuse some me. Of the, some of the greatest <laughs> volunteers in this organization are women. Absolutely. They're very well organized. We're, we've got a podcast on our women's <laughs> side here, but so we'll, we'll leave that for another discussion. But so, okay, so they can start a chapter or just get connected with a regional yeah, director maybe that they way. Maybe they want to just attend. Maybe or they could probably possibly just call the office here in Salt Lake and just say, hey, I'm interested in getting involved. And we can get them in touch with yeah. the regional director from their area. Well, with these Gunnapaloozas, too, it's working out because i got a family in Washburn, which is 50 miles north of Bismarck. They would like to see an event, but they said, I don't think we could get a banquet or anything in here. But do you have something else? And I mentioned the Gunnapalooza, and they're like, so now we can do that. There's a lot more options. i got a family of five here, and i got a couple other friends. Shoot, let's put it on. And we'd all love to win a gun or two. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, Jody, it's, uh, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, we've got two senior regional directors. Mike, they're all organically grown within the organization. 
they all came up, started as uh, someone who was just interested hunting Volunt mule well, deer, volunteer. Somebody who was a volunteer it. themselves and passionate about mule deer, and, and yeah. really that's all that takes. Um, I think that speaks uh, uh, a lot of good, positive vibes for this organization and, and what they can accomplish and you know, what they're doing for mule deer and blacktail deer conservation. Well, one of the things Randy was saying before he, he left uh, earlier when we were talking was that often it's it's one person um, to start a chapter. It's that one person with a passion. And not all the chapters are built the same way. Not all yeah. of them can do a big banquet. They can do the Gunapalooza. Or not all of them can do the big habitat, but they want to make a difference. So that one person calling in, checking the website and getting engaged often can just take off like a wildfire, but in a good way. <laughs> we actually have chapter. I just started one in Cincinnati, Ohio. Wow. Passionate mule deer hunter. He's got several friends that come out west every single year. And that first meeting we had with them, we had five guys show up there, and there's three that couldn't make it. We got one in Pennsylvania. We got one in Atlanta. Uh, wow. Missouri, yeah. Kansas. So yeah. it truly is a nationwide it organization that, that's trying to do yeah, great things. Mule deer things. hunters well, are everywhere. And, yeah, and you know, we, we need it. I mean, mule deer have definitely needed some help recently. We're, there's a lot. We're going to be talking a lot about that in other f podcasts about some of the conservation efforts. But they need an advocate. They need supporters. And that's what Mule De Deer Foundation is here for. So, Marshall, Mike, thank you guys very much. Yeah, thank you, thank you guys. Thanks and, for having uh, us. For those listeners out there that want to get involved with Mule Deer Foundation, go to their website, www.muledeer.org. Help make a difference with this great American iconic species. Thanks for talking Mule Deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access, wildlife management, and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talkin' Mule Deer.